We'll get started tonight. The um, psalm before scripture reading be number 67, 6, 7. There's within my heart a melody. Jesus whispers sweet and low. Fear not, I am with thee. Peace be still in all of my ebb and flow. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. Soon he's coming back to Resting neath the sheltering wing, always looking on his smiling face. That is why I shout and sing, Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every Coming back to welcome me far beyond the starry sky. I shall wing my flight to worlds unknown. I shall live with him on high. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know. My every longing keeps me singing as I go. I'll be reading for First Corinthians two ten. The Spirit searches all things even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's own spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, expressing spiritual truths, in spiritual words. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him. He cannot understand them because they're spiritually discerned. The spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. For our prayer, we'll see them at 319, 319. <clears throat> I don't know about tomorrow. I just live from day to day. I don't borrow from its sunshine, for its skies may turn to gray. I don't worry. 
thankful for this evening and thankful that we can come and gather in your name and lift these songs of praise up to you. Lord, we're so thankful for our congregation, each and every member, Lord, just uh, thankful for our, our elders and ask that you please bless them as they help shepherd the flock here. Lord, thankful for our deacons and the many ministries that uh, they support. Lord, thankful for Brother Tom. I ask you please uh, bless him as he uh, works here and brings us a message tonight. Lord, we do ask that you please uh, be with our sick. Please be with Monica Chester and uh, Beverly King, Lord Bill Young. You know each and every need, Lord, and you're the great physician. Just ask it to be your will. Put your healing 
hand on them. Lord, we also pray for Abigail Og and um, her mission team in Ecuador. Lord, just pray that they're able to get home uh, very, very soon. And uh, Lord, just be, be with them, keep them safe. Lord, I'm going to pray a special prayer for all of our students uh, as they are starting back to school. This being the first full week of school, Lord, just ask you please uh, be with them, be with the teachers and administrators who are helping run the school. Lord, just pray that everybody has a good year. Lord, pray for our youth and uh, that they're able to do what is right, Lord, not necessarily what's popular, but what's right according to your will, that they always look to you for guidance and that we as Christians help lift them up and help them along their journey. Lord, we're so thankful that we live in this great nation. We pray for those who serve in our military, those who have served, those who have sacrificed uh, so much. Lord, we also pray for all of our uh, leaders, those who are elected, those who are appointed. Just ask that you uh, please be with them, grant them wisdom. Lord, we pray that our nation uh, follows uh, your will. Lord, thank, thank you most of all for Jesus. Thank you for sending him to live on this earth as a man and ultimately sacrifice himself on a cross for the forgiveness of our sins. Lord, we're so thankful for the blood that he shed on our behalf and that blood washes away our sins and gives us hope of being in heaven with you someday. It's through his name that we pray. Amen. If you'd like to mark your songbook song invitation, be number 567, 567. And before our sermon, we'll sing number six. Number six. We'll sing the first, second, and fourth verse. If, if you don't mind, you would, uh, please stand. Holy, holy, holy.
Thank you to each of you coming back tonight. Appreciate your presence and excited to bring one of our lessons that I haven't brought in quite a while. We're going to do Let the Bible Speak. Before I bring that lesson, though, I did want to remind everybody about our brochures that we printed. We appreciate Joanne printing these out for our upcoming Friends and Family Day, Brother John Cantrell. So be sure and pick up some of these and give them out to friends. And let's have a good first uh, service for our friends and family day, and uh, would ask that you start praying about this to make sure it's well attended and well received. On our Let the Bible Speak, we have our uh, Sunday night question and answer night, and I haven't done this in a while, so I'm glad that we got back into one of these lessons. Here's the question that was presented by one of our ladies from the Ladybug class. The question is, uh, she asked, when did the disciples receive the Holy Spirit? And uh, when, when the question disciples comes up, I don't know if that is in reference to just the apostles or apostles and believers. I'm going to cover both of those in the, in the class tonight, so in our lesson. So when the, it's more of a timeline question about the Holy Spirit in the New Testament in particular. We know the Holy Spirit has been present Uh, with us since the beginning because it's part of God. He is is, um, the Godhead. We know that he moved across the face of the waters and was involved in creation. Uh, He moved the hearts of men. In the Old Testament, we have several stories of the Holy Spirit moving through those. Just as an example, I'd like you to turn to Judges chapter 3 in your Bibles. Let's get those Bibles ready. We're going to refer to several scriptures tonight as we study this topic of the Holy Spirit. We're going to be reading 9 and 10. Uh, As was typical in the Old Testament, you'd see Israel that fell away from God, begin the pattern of uh, idol worship. They forgot the Lord their God. They served the Baals and the Asherah. So God went through a period of of neglect where they were being punished. And then in verse 9, we're told that when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, apparently their heart was turned back to him. The Lord raised up a deliverer for the people of Israel who saved them, Othniel, uh, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. Look at verse 10. The Spirit of the Lord was upon him. That means that he came in him, he directed him, he guided him, he gave him a direction, and, um, and he did these things through the power of the Spirit. And so he judged Israel, and then went out to war, and basically, God gave him victory, so there was a period of rest for 40 years um, when this man who was moved by God's Spirit led Israel. So there was just one example. You may recall that Samson was moved in a powerful way through the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit of the Lord was upon several men. And uh, we know in Second Peter 1.20, Peter reminds us that these ancient prophets writing in the Old Testament it says that no prophecy of Scripture comes from one, someone's own interpretation. For no, one, no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is true for the Old Testament writers, true for the New Testament writers. Anything that was included in what we call the canonized Word of God, the Scripture today, was basically guided and directed by the Holy Spirit as he moved or carried along those writers. So the Holy Spirit was moving in a powerful way ever since the beginning. And so let's kind of fast forward since the timeline deals more with the New Testament. Uh, It mentions disciples. We're going to start out with John 
the Baptist. So we know John was moved by the Holy Spirit. Just a little reminder, uh, when he was in the presence of Jesus, remember when they were in, in Euro in the womb, and John the Baptist leapt when he was in the presence of Messiah. So the Holy Spirit was in him and moving. But I'd like to invite you to turn to John chapter 1. And we're going to start sort of a timeline of the Holy Spirit. In John 1, drop down to verse 32, we see John introducing Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. And then in verse 32, we see uh, John, who is introducing Jesus. Behold, uh, you know, make way, make ready the way of the Lord. And so he's, he's introducing his ministry is to prepare disciples for John. He says in verse 32, John bore witness, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So what John is saying is, we... Um, have been looking for a sign. I've been given a sign that whoever the Holy, the, the dove would des- descend, the Holy Spirit would descend and light upon him um, like a dove, and it remained on him. That's the one. And John actually saw this, so he says, okay, that's the Messiah. That's Jesus. You think he would have known because he leapt in his mother's womb before Jesus was even born, but it was a confirmation, all uh, reminding him that this is the Jesus who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. John baptized with water. We see Jesus Christ baptizing, immersing people with the Holy Spirit. And so he says, I have seen and have bore witness that this is the Son of God. All right, so now we're getting in this timeline a little bit closer because John baptized with water, Jesus Christ baptized with the Holy Spirit, And so we can conclude that it was Jesus, uh, the one whom through the Holy Spirit will come. First, he gives that Holy Spirit, I believe, to his apostles. So if you're kind of thinking about a timeline, this Holy Spirit was given from Christ to the apostles, then at the appropriate time to all believers. Listen to Mark 3 and verse 14. Now, this is Jesus And he appointed 12. We know it was Jesus that commissioned, that that chose, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. He picked, you know, Matthew, he picked Simon, uh, he picked picked all of the apostles, Andrew, James. He he gave those uh, men um, special gifts. It says that he might be with him. Uh, so that they, they might be with him and he might send them out to preach. Now, notice verse 15. This is interesting uh, because it deals with the question about when did they receive the Holy Spirit. Also, uh, Mark records, and have authority to cast out demons. And I reference John 14, 16, 19 through 26. So we'll read that in just a moment. But I have to believe, if you use logic, that if God dispatched these men out, he sent them out, to do things, including casting out demons, this had to be done through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
none of us, in the absence of the, the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit, can cast out demons or perform miracles. I can't go to the hospital and heal people. So if you think about the logic in, in Mark three fourteen and 15, there seems to have to be the presence of the Holy Spirit in order to cast out demons. That's just logic. So let's turn to John 14. Just a few more uh, chapters of John. I've got a lot of Bible turning going on, which is fine. We're answering this question. So John 14, I'm going to begin in verse 16. Here Jesus is talking to the apostles. Now, by the way, the definition of apostle is one sent, all right? A specific person chosen by God to, to be sent out to reveal the word of God. They have seen Jesus with their physical eyes. Uh, even Paul refers to himself as an apostle, one untimely chosen. He spoke to God, but he was sent out. He was dispatched. Uh, so one sent. He says in verse 16 of John 14, this is Jesus speaking to, I believe, this apostolic group, this 12. I will ask the Father, he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, Jesus says. I will come to you, yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live, you also will live, and that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. So we see that, uh, that Jesus is, is basically showing them uh, the Holy Spirit will come in another form or in another way. Do they have the Holy Spirit at that time? Yes, they had to have the Holy Spirit in order to cast out demons. But we see that Jesus promises his disciples slash apostles the Holy Spirit in a, in a different measure. Now, Luke 10 tells us, and this is kind of an interesting thought, Luke 10 says that the 70 or 72 were sent out. Different translations have different numbers. But we know a large dispatch of believers were sent out. Uh, they were told to heal the sick. Now, verse 17 through 20 uh, confirms that these apostles slash disciples had miraculous powers. Let's turn to Luke 10, and we'll read that together. So it's a very interesting idea that this Holy Spirit had been given initially to the apostles, perhaps even to disciples in Luke 10. And so as we read 17 through 20, let's see what it tells us. Now this is the return of the 72 as they had gone out. They returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Now let me stop. What power was given to them that enabled the demons to be subject to those who were sent out? The Holy Spirit, right? God's power working through them in a miraculous way. The Lord says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this 
that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Now, here's where I'm a little bit fuzzy. So we can think about this and pray about this, but in this 70 or 72 that were sent out, I don't know that they were all considered apostles. Maybe, maybe they were. I know that there were the apostles and disciples that were sent out, but it appears that they were dispatched and were enabled to um, have the Holy Spirit to perform miracles. The demons were subject to them. In the name, or, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command this demon to, to be cast out. So we know that they were working with the power of the Holy Spirit. This is a very interesting scripture that the person that wrote the question brings up, and I'm going to ask you to turn to John 20. This is a very interesting passage, and I've always found this interesting. John 20, and um, this is after the resurrection. If you look at the beginning of chapter 20, you're going to see where the women show up at the tomb on Sunday morning. Jesus begins to make various appearances. He appears to Mary Magdalene. And then down toward uh, verse 19, Jesus shows up in front of his own disciples slash apostles. All right. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. All right. Let's stop right there. How did they feel at this moment? The Messiah has been crucified. They're not yet fully aware of the resurrection. They're unsure. They're scared of the religious uh, leaders of the Sanhedrin. They're afraid of the Romans. They're in an upper room. The door is locked. So they're fearful. They're not confident. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, I thought this is interesting. What's the first thing he says? I want you to have peace. Don't be afraid. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. I want you to have peace. I want you to realize that this is a victory celebration. I want you to realize that God is with you. And I'm asking you to do things that God has enabled you to do through his power. Peace be with you. Don't be afraid. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And And Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So we see that Jesus is preparing them for their marching orders. I'm not going to be here very long. I've already risen from the dead. I'm victorious. I'm glorious. I'll be ascending to the Father. But you, I'm sending out, not as orphans, not alone, but with the Helper. And when he said this, verse 22, he breathed on them. And said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. That's an interesting situation there. He breathed on them. And they received the Holy Spirit. He goes on and says in verse 23, and notice that this is a statement indicating authority. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. So when he breathed on them, he bestowed to them the Holy Spirit. He gave it to them miraculously through his breath and then gave them authority that accompanied the Holy Spirit. Now, let's make some observations about John twenty nineteen through 23. I believe that this is a fulfillment 
of what Jesus promised in John 14, 16 through 26. And so if, if we go back to John 14, 16 through 26, I know you're going uh, through, your, through your Bibles quite a bit, but it's an interesting study where Jesus promised the Holy Spirit. Remember, he said, I'll be sending another helper. Uh, the, the, the Holy Spirit is going to be coming, the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. That's the passage in John 14. I think this is where Jesus is saying, formally and officially, I am now giving you the helper that was promised to you earlier in John 14, 16 through 26. I believe that they also, at this moment in their lives, were fearful. Uh, they were afraid. They were, they were lacking confidence. They were still thinking in their minds that Jesus had come to establish a great nation of Israel. As a matter of fact, right before he ascended, if you study this, they asked him, Are you ready now to make Israel a nation? Are you, are you ready to do your leadership thing? Jesus says, No. It's a spiritual kingdom, and I'm bestowing upon you a spiritual gift. Now, to breathe on them is interesting because the word in the Greek word for spirit is pneuma, pneuma, P-N-U-M-A. We have pneumatic tools that I've mentioned this quite often. A pneumatic tool is an air-powered tool. You can do great things with pneumatic tools. And so he breathed on them the breath of God, pneuma, uh, and, and even in John, I believe it's in John chapter 3 where Jesus speaks to Nicodemus. He equates the Holy Spirit, being born of the Spirit. It's like wind. You can't see it, but the power is there. There's a gentle blowing of the leaves. You can feel the wind on your face. So wind, power, pneuma, breath. Jesus breathed on them and bestowed upon them the Holy Spirit. So, now what I want you to do is I want you to think in this timeline of disciples and apostles, right? And, and in my mind, it's quite possible that disciples as well as those apostles have been bestowed the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now we're moving forward toward Pentecost. Jesus understands as he's speaking to them in this context that he will soon ascend and he won't be present, but they will be in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. He's going to ascend into heaven And so now we're going to turn to Acts chapter 1 in our continuing timeline. Acts 1, and let's read verses 1 through 8. Luke is probably the author of Acts. He writes to Theophilus. He says, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up. After he had given commands through the Holy Spirit, to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after he suffered his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. What do you think that promise was? The Holy Spirit. Which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, a little bit of an interesting question. If they've already had the Holy Spirit working in them, and by the power of the Holy Spirit they were able to cast out demons, why is Jesus now promising them the Holy Spirit will come upon them? 
Verse 6, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Now, I just have to say, Jesus is probably like, "Uh, do you guys not get it? I haven't come to be a powerful king. I haven't come to be a leader. I haven't come to kick out the Romans to deliver you from the burden of taxation. That's not why I came. But they will understand in time. Bless their hearts, they're mere men. They've seen Jesus perform great miracles. And like most Jews, they understood that Jesus came to restore a great kingdom once again. That's why they asked the question in verse 6. He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Let's get you back on track, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. While they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who is taking up for you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. They just weren't two guys dressed in white. I believe that we understand those were angels. They were messengers telling the apostles, see the way he went up? That's the same way he's going to return and be coming in the clouds. So here's our timeline. In the physical absence of Jesus, now that he has ascended, and the angel said he's gone up into heaven, he's going to come back the same way. Jesus has promised the comforter, the spirit, to make his presence known And it will come, church, in a powerful way. So I believe maybe, maybe this is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit that's been given to the apostles in a very powerful and miraculous way, perhaps different than what they were able to do earlier when the 72 were sent out. Let's turn to Acts 2, just to remind ourselves of what happened on the day of Pentecost. Verse 1, Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly there came from heaven a sound of a mighty rushing wind. Isn't that interesting? Numa, Numa, spirit, breath of God, mighty rushing wind. No coincidence there. It filled the entire house where they were sitting in divided tongues as a fire appeared on them and rested on each one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It would appear that the Holy Spirit had been present as they performed various miracles. The Spirit had been working in them, but now the Holy Spirit comes in a very powerful way. In particular, we see uh, these, these tongues of fire that rest over their heads that enable them to speak in various languages. And the sound of a mighty rushing wind, which probably began drawing people into this area where they were preaching and teaching. It says that they were filled with the Holy Spirit, verse 4, and began to speak in other tongues, I'll say languages, as the Spirit gave them utterance. So uh, they there were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. So um, they heard this um, amazing miracle where they were being preached to in various languages, And uh, it confused people. 
And actually, some of the audience accused these men of being drunk. Peter says in verse 15, These people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. Now, this is interesting. Uh, Listen to what Peter quotes from Joel. This is Joel chapter 2. Verses 28 through 32. I'm going to begin in verse 17. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. So in Acts 2, it would appear that the Holy Spirit is given not only to the apostles, but he's been promised to all believers as well. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 12, now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. All right? So we know that the apostles had received a very powerful manifestation of the Holy Spirit. But after Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is given to those whom the apostles have laid their hands, or those God has chosen to give his spirit. So now we begin to see the Holy Spirit being dispersed from the apostles, even to the common believers, the disciples. We know this is what Peter promised in in, um, Acts chapter 2, verse 38. We know that's what Joel prophesied in uh, chapter 2, verse 28 through 32, that everyone would receive the Holy Spirit. May I point out as well, that Cornelius, when Peter was uh, commissioned to go visit the house of Cornelius, the first Gentile convert, what convinced Peter that these men, these Gentiles, were chosen by God? It was when the Holy Spirit came in a powerful way and allowed Cornelius and his household to speak in tongues. This was the defense that Peter used when he went back to the Jerusalem council and uh, reported what had happened. So now we see the Holy Spirit primarily given to through Jesus to the apostles, from the apostles to all believers, through the laying on of hands. As we bring our lesson to a close tonight, I wanted to talk about how this Holy Spirit was transferred through the laying on of hands through the apostles, at least in a miraculous way. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we see Paul discussing with members of the church in Corinth, about the use of those gifts that they have, the gifts that are bestowed through and by the Holy Spirit. In Acts 8, 14, the text says, Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Notice verse 17. They, who is they, Peter and John, laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. So it's an interesting question, and I so much appreciate this idea of the timing of when did the the Holy Spirit come into the lives of the believers. 
We know the Holy Spirit has always been around since the beginning because he is God. He works in us. He works through us. In the first century, we see the miraculous powers of the Holy Spirit working in a very powerful way to testify that these men that were preaching were from God. Now, what about the Holy Spirit today? If you have a chance, read Romans chapter 8, because I believe that what Peter promised in Acts 2 is the Holy Spirit indwelling all of us, a prophecy fulfilled through Joel. And even though we may not be able to perform miraculous gifts through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, it's still a miraculous indwelling where God says, if you obey the gospel, the Holy Spirit will come in you, it will live in you, it will give you peace, you will feel my presence. And it gives us greater discernment. There's so many benefits of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit today. I would call this the um, basically the common indwelling nature of the Holy Spirit, not the miraculous nature that was received in the first century. But we all have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit as God's children. God tabernacles in us. It's a fascinating study. I appreciate the question. Hope that answered the question. And uh, it may have created more questions. But tonight, we simply invite you to think about your relationship with God, your walk. Are you living according uh, to God's desire for your life? Are you using your gifts and talents according to the Holy Spirit? And uh, if there's any way or any need that you have that we can pray for you, we'd be um, honored to pray tonight. Maybe you're struggling in some way. Maybe you have something going on in your life where you need us to lift up these before God. Maybe there's somebody that needs to confess sin tonight. Whatever your need may be, we want to invite you to come while we're led in song. Let's stand and sing together. When the saints and the sinners shall be parted right and left, are you ready for that day to come? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready for the judgment day? Are you ready? Are you ready for the judgment day? There's a bright day Oh.
weren't able to make it this morning, you'd be served the Lord's Supper. You can make your way straight back to room number one. And before closing prayer, we'll sing As the Deer. I'm not sure how familiar it is uh, with this church, but hopefully enough. <laughs> As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. Father, we bow our heads before you at the end of this day. We want to thank you for this day, the freedom to be able to come here and worship and praise you, Father, without fear of molestation from the government or from those around about us. Father, we pray that that freedom will always be upheld and come first. Father, that being said, Father, we pray that the powers that be look to you for the strength and the guidance they need to lead this country to make the decisions that uh, ultimately come down to affecting us. Father, we pray that we will once again be able to say, in God we trust in this country again and truly mean it. Father, we continue to pray for those amongst us that are recovering from strokes or battling cancer or the many ailments, Father, of this world, this life. We pray that you will Reach out to the doctors and the nurses and everyone is involved in that situation and that you will bless the whole situation, Father, because we know that all things through you are possible. Father, we just pray that we get to go out this week. We get to go out and be the examples to those around about us we need to be to bring them closer to you. But most of all, Father, we pray that at the end of time, you will look at us and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. We might have a hope in heaven with you. And without your son, this would not have been possible, Father. And we thank you so much for him. And it's through his name we pray. Amen.